Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Church Public. We are talking about freedom and responsibility today. What does it take to get freedom? What does it take to keep freedom? And what is your role in it? Thanks for joining us, family and friends. And let's get started. All right, welcome back to Church Public. I'm glad you joined us here today. Family, friends, it's good to have you, and I hope you are enjoying these podcasts. Go back and check out other episodes if you like, if you have some time. We are just trying to provide a service where we connect the worlds of faith and culture. There's a lot going on in the world today, and we are just trying to make sense of it. Hopefully, you are trying to make sense of it as well. If you have questions, go ahead and check us out on churchpublic.com. You can check us out on social media at Church Public and send a message, direct message or otherwise, and I would love to hear from you, and we'll try to respond in the best way that we can. Today we're talking about freedom, we're talking about responsibility. You know, freedom is actually a very unique situation. We take it for granted because All of us in America grew up in it, and we don't understand that it actually doesn't happen very often. For much of history, people have not been free. Warring countries, tribes crashed back and forth in brutal battles with the strongest conquering and remaining in power. This has been the case for thousands and thousands of years. The one with the most weapons, the most power, the most people won the battles, and then they were in power, and they imposed their will upon whomever was left alive. And America is a quite a different place. We have documents that try to create freedoms for everyone. We have a philosophy, an ideology in America that allows people to uh, work as hard as they want and get to as high of a place as they can through the work that they have. And many would call that personal responsibility. That responsibility, that hard work ethic allows you in America to grow, which is why so many people have immigrated here throughout the couple of centuries that America has been a place. In fact, in the last few years, more people have immigrated to America than any other country in the world because the opportunities here to apply yourself, to take on that mantle of responsibility, to work hard, allows basically anybody to uh, create this environment that is beneficial for them and their family and potentially even generations and generations to come. Many nations did not know how to live at peace and not live in war. This has been true for thousands of years. We see it throughout history across the globe, and it's even true today in some countries and places. In fact, in several countries in the Middle East currently, they've been at some form of war for centuries, sometimes even longer. And the wars in that region have been brutal and bloody. You may be too young to remember, but the phrase peace in the Middle East was something bandied about back and forth over and over again, and for all we knew, it was just a phrase. It would never actually happen. Well, just in the last few weeks, the President of the United States has helped organize not one, not two, but three peace deals with potentially more coming. Israel and Bahrain, Israel and United Arab Emirates, Serbia and Kosovo, and again, potentially more coming. I'm going to spare you the political details. You can read about them if you want to. But all three of these deals are extraordinary, and almost every expert said what I said. Peace in the Middle East was almost impossible. It was just a phrase. Because peace is difficult. Freedom is difficult. 
Freedom is possible, but it's even more difficult than peace. Here's what I mean. Freedom is not free. Freedom definitely has a cost. In America, it had a cost. We fought the American Revolution to have freedom. And then we fought several wars after that to maintain freedom. Sometimes freedom costs lives. But after this freedom is achieved, it still has a cost. And we, as Americans, as teachers, have not been teaching the cost. Because, as I mentioned earlier, the biggest cost of freedom is responsibility. You are responsible for freedom. Every person in America is responsible for their own freedom. Every individual must do their part to keep that freedom that was so painfully won. But we have now educated an entire generation, maybe two generations, millennials, Gen Z, that not only don't understand freedom but have no sense of responsibility. This generation struggles with responsibility to their job, family, country, church, faith. And without this responsibility, it has become the most depressed generation in history. Statistically, Americans are on more antidepressants than ever before. According to the CDC, even in the last 90 days, one in four have contemplated suicide. And they're acting out, sometimes violently, largely because they hold no responsibility. And we've taught them no morality and no consequences. Generations past in America had responsibility. Last night, I was watching the movie Lincoln again. Truly great movie, incredible actors, incredible writing, but the and very historical as well. But the biggest thing about the movie is the portrayal of the immense responsibility, not just on Lincoln himself, but many of the other delegates and generals fighting for this freedom for all Americans. Uh, especially in this instance, fighting for slavery. There's a line that General Grant says to Lincoln at one point that sums it up well. He says something like, Grant says, you look like you've aged 10 years this year. It's something roughly along those terms. I didn't I didn't go back and look it up, but you can go watch it. There are many actual accounts, however, historical accounts of how haggard Lincoln became over the course of his uh, especially second term as president. And the point is this, responsibility changes you. It ages you, and that's a good thing. It may have been extreme in Lincoln's case, and that was an extreme situation. One of the hallmarks of this current generation is this absence of responsibility and the continuation of adolescence for many years, beyond where it should end and adulthood should begin. There are tons of studies and examples of this. There's far less marriages in America than ever before, and we are on track to have 500,000 less babies than previous years. 500,000. This is actually a really huge and crucial crisis. Uh, I know that you hear in some of the news that we're going to overpopulate the world and, and it's going to cause the world to end, but the opposite is actually true. If we don't have enough babies, if we don't have enough of a new generation, the very population of our cities will collapse and then the economy will collapse and then the whole civilization will collapse. We need new life to actually sustain the life that we have and this generation because of finances, because of responsibility, because of either climate concerns, because of just fear of what is happening in the world around them are not having babies. And this is actually a really big issue. And then there are uh, many people across America over 18 still living with their parents. There's a video game epidemic in the young adult age group where Many just play video games. Not that there's anything wrong with video games, but if that is all you do, maybe that's not the best use of your time and, again, responsibility. And when I see signs and T-shirts and stickers that say, adulting is hard, I laugh, but I'm also saddened. It's a true statement. Adulting is hard. 
but it shouldn't be avoided. It should be prepared for. It should be something we aim to become, to become an adult, not avoid being an adult, avoid our responsibility. Ultimately, that statement is saying having responsibility, having cares, having people depending on you is difficult. And that's true. But it's also good. It's good for us. It's good for us to grow into that and to grow into responsibility and to be better and to have more placed upon us so that we can rise to these challenges. That responsibility builds character. Character builds families and the families build generations and civilizations. This is how the world works and this is how it should work. Freedom is a direct extension of this responsibility. To be free, we have to be responsible. It takes work. It takes good behavior. It takes values and dedication to those values. In fact, it also takes morality, and morality can only come from God. If you think you can have freedom and morality without God, prove it. We live in this era of live your truth, find your truth, discover your own truth, but the philosophical end and even the real end of this statement is rather impossible. If your truth is so strong, if your truth is so strong, go to a tall building and tell me gravity doesn't exist while you jump off. And of course, we won't do that. Why? Because gravity is obvious. But nature, creation, reveals the presence of God. It also is obvious if you let it. In fact, Conservatives and Christians are constantly being accused of being anti-science, but science actually has only proven what we already know. As we've studied the reaches of the universe, it's only cemented the fact that there was a singular event that created everything. Some would call that creation. As we move down into the very DNA of humanity, we see that complexity that can only come from intelligent design. Science is not anti-Christian, it's far from it. Science proves what we already know. There is a God who created the heavens and the earth and you and me. But the opposition that claims to be pro-science says things like a man can be a woman, gender isn't real, babies don't exist until they are a certain age. Truth is real. Consequences are real. We know this, but there is a generation that is running from responsibility as fast as possible. When you do an, act, do an action, you expect a response. Again, that is science. Every action has an equal opposite reaction, right? If your action, however, is moral, the response will be good. If your action is immoral, the response will be bad. Here's just a quick example that's happening right now. There have been around 110 days of protests in Seattle, Washington. There was basically one day of protest in Lancaster, why such a drastic difference? Well, the consequence of protesting in Seattle is basically nothing. Most of those that were arrested were released the same day with no consequence. Most and many of the people were not even arrested. The consequence of protesting in Lancaster was arrest and $1 million bail. If you were arrested for acting immorally, again, doing something raw, anti-lawful, you were sent to jail. And most people don't have a million dollars lying around to post bail. These actions have consequences. And we know this in our hearts. And once these consequences are enforced, we don't want that responsibility. But there are many places in America that are not reinforcing the consequences because they are living as if there is no morality and there is no God. And we've talked at length in other episodes about the removal of God. There can be no consequence because the people doing immoral acts are exempt from morality because there is nothing to connect the morality to. 
When left to our own devices, we will do every sin possible until the consequence catches up to us. That is human nature. And you see that, and you see that accelerating faster and faster and faster. We continue to create these immoral situations and revel in them. Quick example on Netflix is this show called Cuties. And this show is basically about 11-year-olds doing things that are completely... uh, completely not appropriate for that age, really completely not appropriate for any age, but it is uh, child pornography. And and there's a lot of arguments for this show to stay on the air. And again, we have lost our moral compass because once you allow certain things, there is no end to what you will allow. And as the church, as believers, we have to continue to hold the moral line because that moral line is the very foundation of civilization. It's the foundation of a good family. It's the foundation of a good community. And by, uh, by scrolling that out, then it, it becomes a city and it becomes a very civilization. And when you do not have this morality, then the strongest tribe will prevail because this endangers the least that are in society, just like this Netflix example. The children who should be protected at all costs are being exposed and even encouraged to do things that are absolutely terrible. The society doesn't hold up to its end of freedom. It doesn't enforce the law. It becomes Once again, when we get to this place, a warring group of tribes and the strongest tribe will prevail. And we see this over and over and over again across the country right now. And Marx wrote about this. Stalin, Mao, Castro, Hitler all practiced this and grew to power by exploiting the weaker population or removing the weaker population. The church, the gathering of believers, has been the thing that has held back the mob, the masses, the violence from taking over the country because in the church, in the body of believers, in the body of Christ, we teach the morality and responsibility that is needed to live a fruitful life and to promote freedom. And even more than that, in the church, we teach to look out for one another. Because it's not just about me. It's not just about you. It's about the least of these. It's about the other person. What can we do for the other person? And this culture tells you the opposite. It is a dangerous lie. You're being told every day that you are enough, that you are amazing, that you can harness your power to make some kind of change in this world. But if you take a few minutes, a quiet few minutes, and turn off your phone and turn off all the devices and just think about all the things that you have done that aren't good, that are bad things, you will realize that you're broken. You can't even live up to your own standards, much less God's standards. And the good news is that's not the end of the story. The good news is God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to take the place of all your mistakes, all your bad things, and turn this blood and brokenness into a soul as white as snow. And through this freedom, then you can go out and live well. You can act morally because your morality is not based on some arbitrary truth that you invented, but on the goodness, on the grace, on the truth of Jesus. You love the other person because God loved you. You feel responsible for the other person and to protect the weak because God says to care for widows and orphans, the least of these. The 
people that the, the culture, the community says are the lowest people. And if you think this is just a natural thing to care for hurting people, go somewhere that Christianity is not the dominant religion. Somewhere like India that has some of the worst slums in the world. Why? They're full of poverty. Yes, but why poverty? Why are they so poor? And and some, but not all, but a lot of the problem is this caste system. This caste system in India tells you that if a person is starving, begging on the side of the road, you walk by and leave them there because that's where they belong in life. Their caste is to be in that part, and you're actually hurting them by helping them, which is completely the opposite of what Christianity states. You may have heard a story from Jesus about helping a person on the road. In fact, even if you never opened your Bible or went to church, I know you have heard about being a good Samaritan. It is a common phrase in America, regardless of if you've been in the church or not. Because we are called to help the least of these. And we do. We start charities. The church gives. People give. Even knowing that we have this term, the Good Samaritan in America, is a small proof that we're in a nation based on a biblical morality. But we are and have been eliminating that morality from our schools, our workplaces, from the court system, uh, even uh, some churches are straying from the gospel and and saying that we don't need to take responsibility to care for one another, and and this has eroded our very morality. Um, And if we live in a world where it is everyone for themselves, there will not be a morality, there will not be peace, there will not be freedom. Without you protecting the rights of those that cannot protect themselves, we will quickly devolve back into the warring tribe of people groups that we have been for thousands of years and these groups hate each other and you see this day to day and you will they will not be satisfied until the other group is removed from the face of the earth it's not about dialogue it's not about a uh, it's not about a conversation it's about removal of the antithetical group of the group that is against what you believe and what you stand for and we're quickly quickly moving towards that and we need to help people understand the only place, the only source, the only real solution to this being Jesus and the love of God. Because this tribalism, this warring nature is our human nature. That is our cycle. Freedom requires sacrifice. It requires responsibility. It requires the choice to not be self-centered, but to do what is best for your neighbor even if you don't agree with them, even if they don't like you. That's beside the point. It's it's not even that we share these ideals, but that we create this place, we create this environment where people can be free. Burning down buildings, looting stores, hurting people, murder, these things obviously kill freedom quickly. They must be stopped and they will be stopped. The only question is whether they are stopped by the small force of this moral hand or the large force of an immoral tyrant. We've seen this in different ways throughout history. We must pray for revival in the body of Christ. Only through the grace of God in us can we hope to bring this healing. In the climax of the movie Lincoln, much like the actual historical event, they're voting on the 13th Amendment to ban slavery and 
literally some of the delegates risked their lives to vote yes on the amendment. There were death threats to these men when they stood up to fight for the freedom of all people in America. This actually happened. So these people stood up for freedom, even risking death. What or who are you willing to stand up for today? Thanks for listening. Keep the faith. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Please do subscribe, like, check us out on social media at Church Public. And we hope to talk to you soon. Send in any questions that you want, and we'll try to address those. As always, God bless. Keep the faith.